What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel, and on this week's episode, I chat with Dr. Megan Rome, owner of Rome Physical Therapy, who works with women in Somerville and Mount Pleasant to help them overcome pelvic floor or women's health issues without surgery or medications. Megan is awesome, super funny, super great to talk to, and we talk a lot about a bunch of issues that people usually just deal with that a lot of people usually just accept as normal or feel like they always have to deal with it. But you can move confidently without these issues, without fear, without pain, or without leakage. Megan debunks a few myths, a few pelvic floor myths for us and tells us what pelvic floor PT is really all about. If you're struggling with these issues, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to struggle. You definitely don't have to struggle alone. This episode was super informative. If you're struggling with any of these issues, reach out to Megan. The the handle's in the show notes. You can find her on Instagram, Rome Physical Therapy, and you can find her at her website. Otherwise, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. On today's show, we have Megan, owner of Rome Physical Therapy. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me. Megan is here to tell us all about the pelvic floor. So if you're listening to this we may get descriptive. We're going to fully dive in. Yes, we are. It'll be fun. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit just about Rome Physical Therapy, your background, how you got interested into pelvic floor, the whole story? Yeah. So um, whenever I went down to St. Augustine, Florida for physical therapy school, I had no intention of becoming a pelvic floor PT. Didn't even know that that existed until um, I think it was like probably within the second year, they give you like a four hour Maybe like it's a, not, yeah, it's like, like a four-hour lecture. For sure. So it's like a four-hour guest lecture on what the pelvic floor is. And, you know... like, wow, I love the pelvic floor. No, I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. And funny story, which I don't think I told you this. So my... You know how in PT school you have to volunteer as, like, the patient to yes yes. okay so like a lot of times you have to like volunteer yourself to be in front of the classroom so for pelvic floor we actually had to have a volunteer everything was like external through clothing but at the time my husband well at the time he was my boyfriend but my husband volunteered wait he's a pt yes he's a pt oh why did i forget that no you're good you were dating yeah so we were dating and he volunteered himself to do the pelvic floor portion and I was mortified and I was like who would ever want to do this as a profession so I had no interest still (laughs) right then I got into I think it was our last semester and uh, my mom actually was having a ton of pelvic pain um, and they couldn't figure out what was going on she ended up going to a pelvic floor PT and had a lot of like scar tissue related issues Uh, She had a cesarean delivery with me and my sister. So a lot of that like built up scar tissue had bound down into like internal organs, creating just like a ton of mess. And it's like, this has to be something that can be worked on early. Like if we can work on post-op knee replacements and the scar tissue and the muscles, why can't we work on 
the scar tissue within the abdomen. So um, I started looking into pelvic floor PT and uh, went, whenever I graduated, I went straight into my first training, level one of pelvic floor PT. Um, And that's kind of where it all started. So it was a fun, fun journey for pelvic floor one. um, You have to be, again, both the patient and the therapist. Mm -hmm. So you have to have like 50 people doing internal exams on you and it's not uh not the most ideal but you learn a ton about your body so at the time of pelvic floor one I had not had any children um you know nothing was wrong I was overall very healthy but found out that I had a lot of issues that you know I can definitely dive into um as we chat and I'm sure I will because I didn't know any of this stuff was going on and then next thing you know a healthy young individual ends up having all this pelvic floor issues that could lead to other issues later on. Um, So then, you know, that little bit of like, whoa, I have this stuff. Who else is suffering from it? I just wanted to take more classes and find out more about my body and then figure out how I could help more women. So um, that was kind of the start of my journey, kind of how I got into pelvic floor to begin with. Okay. So it was one of those things, like, like you said, when you get into your placement or when you have like any ortho surgery, it's like PT starts immediately. Like recovering from that surgery starts immediately. Yeah. But then you have this like traumatic experience giving birth and then you have a C-section and then it's like, okay, you're good. Bye. Yeah. It's wait, what? You just got cut open. Right. It's wild. I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, especially with the pregnant and postpartum mom, we don't get enough credit for like the human body. Like you literally just birthed a child, whether it's through your belly or through your vagina and there's no recovery after like you either tear vaginal muscles or you tear or are cut open in your tummy muscles. So like, why aren't we re-strengthening? Like if we tear a rotator cuff, we go to PT to rehab that torn muscle. If we sprain our ankle, we do the same thing, right? So, like, with the pelvic floor, if there's a tear in your perineal muscles, which is your pelvic floor, they don't do anything for it. You know, we're just expected to go back to working out and having sex six weeks later. And it's like, what? Where do you why even start? That, like, why? Is it just, like, a newer, like, people are like, oh, shoot. We yeah. I think there's just lack of knowledge about the field of pelvic floor physical therapy. I think that... Um, you know, a lot of times it's it's just not well known and no matter how much we will educate on it, you know, I mean, it's just like, I feel like in PT, the orthopedic docs have done really well at understanding what we do as a field, like within our profession, but like some other like primary care docs probably would not refer. So because they're like, ah, PT doesn't work mm-hmm. or, you know, Whatever it could be. Some person could get one bad taste and then next thing you know, pelvic floor PT doesn't work. So I think it's just not not a lot of knowledge out there of like, what is it, A? And then B, I think people are very intimidated by it because it can be, frankly, quite creepy if you think about it. Like, it's not fun. No one, I rarely, I don't want to go. Yourself here, yeah, right. <laughs> but I don't want to go to my GYN once a year, much less go to a pelvic floor PT Right. It's just, it's It's a higher barrier. So much. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, just small things like that. Just trying to, trying to really get the awareness out there. I just, I don't think it's there. And pelvic floor PT has really only truly evolved within the last, I think 10, 15 years. So we haven't had much time to advocate for that specialty. Yeah. It's like a newer part of our profession. Yeah, for sure. And it's probably like people aren't, people aren't yelling about, their pelvic floor problems like they are like their knee pain knee pain is a very normal thing to talk about right oh i'm constipated having sex hurts and i pee 20 times a day like not super like you're probably not going to talk about it and like ask your primary care like a lot of women especially like in the last few years like now we're more open about like hey this is common but not normal right you can get help yeah and i feel like We don't ever want to, as females, seem weak or like something's wrong. You know, we'll easily complain complain about neck pain because we want someone to rub on us and feel better. But like for the pelvic floor, it's not anything where, you know, either A, we think it's not going to work or it's not that bad yet. Um, So, you know, if you have a couple of drops here or there when you sneeze or sex was painful just that one time, maybe it won't be the next time, but then it is. 
And it's like, oh, well, maybe it's because, and then you start self-blaming. You know, I've definitely, I've been there whenever I had pelvic pain. Uh, That was what I found out during my pelvic one training. I had pelvic floor tightness, pelvic pain. Um, I had constipation my entire life growing up as a kid. And I remember being little and my mom being like, here's some apple juice while I was sitting on the toilet. I'm like, what the heck? Right, it's sad. But never once did we ever talk about like, Hmm, maybe why is this happening? I also have a ton of like thinking about me personally. I was a dancer and a gymnast. Mm. I was a lot more flexible. So I needed stability to come from somewhere. And a lot of it was coming from my pelvic floor. I think from just like guarding and gripping to try to hold on to whatever I could within my core. So then, you know, I started having pain with intercourse and I was already having constipation. And it's like, at what point do we just stop blaming like, oh, it's because of dryness or I wasn't ready or, you know, mm-hmm. it's my hormones are off. It's the birth control. Like, mm. no, it's not. It it could easily be muscles that are A, over tight. A lot of times tight muscles can uh, kind of trap around the gland that produces secretion during intercourse. So like maybe you are more dry, but like, is that because of your pelvic floor kind of pinching around that gland, not allowing it to express or is it a hormone level? Who knows? But what are you going to go get stuck a hundred times with blood drums to like figure out what's going on? I don't know. There's just people probably wouldn't. They'd just be like, oh, it's fine. Drink this a- is a problem that I have, or like I'm going to use this, yeah. or again, like they just maybe accept. Like you, it sounds like you had all these issues, but like you had kind of just accepted that you had these issues right. until you started having all these exams that explained actually why you have these issues. 100%. I would have never done anything about it probably. Yeah. Um, I have many people that come into the office and they'll say like, yeah, I'm having pain with, with intercourse and my doctor just told me to like drink a glass of wine or something oh, just to no. relax. Is or a solution? Right. So, you know, again, I think it's going back to like those, like it's, it's in our head and is it in our, it could be in our head, but is that an answer? Like, let's yeah. make sure it's not in our head. Like, and you, it you probably is. Feeling frisky enough. Right. Have a glass of wine. Drink some tequila. It's what like, a long term solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so pelvic floor definitely. I mean, it it's um, it's new. It's different. It's uh, people are like, oh, you're talking just, about like vaginas, right? Yeah. But there's, it's just like physical therapy yeah. anywhere else. It's just found inside our body, which yeah. is the downside of it. But we strengthen other things because they hurt or we massage. I don't want to use that word in a creepy way, but you know, like we relax muscles that are tight. So it's the same concept. We're just doing it inside our body. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, yeah. Anyways, people might not know, like, can you tell me what the pelvic floor is? Yeah. So the pelvic floor, uh, it has, four main functions. It's a group of muscles for those that are like, what is the pelvic floor? It is muscles. Um, there are multiple different layers of the pelvic floor too. So there's superficial pelvic floor layers, and then there's deeper pelvic floor layers. A lot of times when people do Kegels, they only kind of squeeze whatever they think they know down there and they'll squeeze their butt. They'll squeeze, squeeze it all. Yeah. They'll squeeze. I see all sorts of funky things, but, uh, with the pelvic floor, you're squeezing, both superficial and deep, making sure that you're squeezing the front and the back. So a lot of times I'll see people that will only squeeze kind of the back side of their pelvic floor versus the front, which means we're not squeezing around our urethra, limiting, like preventing urinary leakage. We're not contracting around the front, preventing your bladder from falling out. We're squeezing so much in the back leading to constipation. We're squeezing so much in the back leading to pelvic floor tightness and pain. So um, anyways, so the pelvic floor being a muscle, it does, it has four main functions. One is to control both bowel and bladder. So that's why we should not be walking around peeing and pooping on ourselves. Should not. Should not. Should not. <laughs> because we have those, uh, those muscles that should kind of hold closed around it. Uh, it also acts as a stabilizer. So it's part of our true core to really kind of hold everything together. So I explain whenever I talk about the core, I explain it kind of like a house. So we have our roof as our diaphragm. 
we have our walls being our core muscles, like our actual core transverse abdominis. But then we are missing a big part, and that's going to be our diaf- or our floor to the house, right? Mm-hmm. What we have to actually walk through and or walk on, and that's going to be our pelvic floor. So it acts as a huge stabilizer for everything within your core. Um, whenever we're exercising, we talk so much about breathing and exhaling when you need to and inhaling when you need to and engage your core, but we're missing the pelvic floor piece. Um, so, so that's the other function that it will do. It also helps with sexual arousal. Um, so any type of clitoral stimulation and orgasm, uh, the pelvic floor actually plays a huge role in it, which we won't dive into we unless you... I feel like we should make it least eventually. Right. Gotta write that down. People are like, I'm done listening. Um, Healthy Charles and Podcast, how to orgasm. My parents will be so... I, I'm so glad my parents do not know how to work social media because they would be like, uh, <laughs> I can no longer listen to this. And then uh, last but not least, it actually um, acts as a hammock for our pelvic organs. So recapping, it is a group of muscles that helps with bowel and bladder control. It helps with sexual arousal. It helps with stability of our core. And then it helps kind of hold up our p- pelvic organs. When I say pelvic organs, that includes our bladder, our uterus, and our rectum. Um, I typically explain this, so if you could picture this in your head, um, if you have a grocery bag with fruit, (laughs) right? So like, let me throw a handful of apples in a grocery bag. If there is a hole in the bottom of the grocery bag, the apples will start to fall through, right? What if there's like three holes in the bottom of the Well, then that's a problem. But (laughs) bear with me. So if there's a hole in the grocery bag, that means weakness. Like there's not stability and support. The hammock has a hole in it. So we're now going to have fruit falling through. So the pelvic floor basically acts as that grocery bag holding everything together. If we have a hole or a default, the fruit will fall through and next thing you know we have a pelvic organ prolapse and our organs are kind of falling through um so for those of you that have heard of like needing bladder slings and all of that stuff this is why because we basically have a hole in our trash bag that's not holding our fruit up um but all it is is muscles that need to be strengthened and coordinated properly to hold everything up in place so um, those are the four functions of the pelvic wow, floor. Long you. detail, sorry. This is why you got to go get the paper trash bags right. when you're putting a lot of heavy fruit. But sometimes they fridge. still burst. I don't know. I feel like yes. if it's wet fruit and then it soggies oh, the bag. Oh my gosh. I don't want to know. Too <laughs> So can you tell me, you know, from the, the start of you like taking these classes, getting really interested in it, and then to you now having your own practice Two locations, right? Yes. Yep. What was that process like? When did you decide, oh, like, I only want to do this kind of physical therapy? Did you work with insurance? What kind of do you do now? Like, tell me all about that. Okay. So many questions. Oh, um, no, I'm sorry. No, let me think. All right. So I started practicing down in Florida uh, for an insurance-based clinic, and um, it was just a small private practice. We had 45 minutes. One-on-one with the patient. It was awesome. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. However, um, the lady in the back who did our billing would oftentimes, um, I would get fussed at a little bit for not putting in the right billing codes and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, next thing I know, I got kind of pressured and pushed into doing a lot more exercise-based versus manual-based. So to take that out of PT lingo, it's going to be... Doing more like Kegels on a table versus me doing internal manual assessments and kind of checking out what the pelvic floor does. So the more and more, you know, that was happening, I just got really frustrated because next thing I know, I'm not treating the patient. I'm treating based on how the lady wanted me to bill because we get reimbursed more. So um, I also found that like within 45 minutes, I was either running behind. It was just a lot going on. And to ask someone to come into the room take their pants off and lay down was like very quick and rushed and a little bit too much, uh, to do in 45 minutes. So, um, we decided to make the move up to Charleston, me and my husband, and, uh, I was ready to start my own practice. I wanted to treat patients how I wanted to, uh, not be dictated by some lady in the back who has no idea what internal assessments Mm -hmm. are and, 
you know, all of that and not get pushed to treat some weird funky way because insurance will reimburse better. Um, so I started, uh, I started probably, I think three years is coming up in January, which is super exciting. Um, I started doing home visits first, which was awkward, uh, (laughs) just to say the least home visits for internal pelvic floor exams are not the most comfortable because you're in someone's home environment. In my opinion, it just was a little too I guess you would say close to home, like yeah. doing an internal assessment in someone's bedroom yeah. where intimacy happens. It was weird. So luckily mm-hmm. I grew into uh, a space where, um, it was just me practicing. And then I don't, I don't really know how things evolved. I feel like I just woke up one day and next thing I know, I have an office remotely in Mount Pleasant inside the Charleston birthplace. And then I have an office in Somerville. Um, but it happened and I'm glad it did. Um, I, yeah, I forgot even, I just feel like I get stopped. I forgot what all you asked, but that's kind of, so that's kind of how I got into it as far as, uh, kind of my transition. So whenever I first started, I had only taken pelvic one, which is more about like, um, which this might actually be kind of interesting because I don't think people realize the different types of training that goes into pelvic floor. So pelvic floor one, you just learn how to do internal exams and then you learn mostly about incontinence. So the urinary system and that's it. So that was kind of what I first started with. And then I started with obstetrics. So the pregnancy side of things, um, there's four classes total. So four different classes that you can take learning about pre-natal stuff, learning about postnatal stuff. Um, there's like a generalized pregnancy class, and then there's a labor and delivery class. So once I started doing all of that, um, I really grew super passionate about the pregnancy and postpartum world, and uh, that's where I kind of found myself. During it, um, my sister had a baby, mm-hmm. her first one, and uh, she in my opinion, had a pretty traumatic birth and it kind of disgusted me that there was little that was being talked about and she was sent home with pretty much nothing but a baby. Um, She had a third degree vaginal tear, Mm. so tearing pretty close from the vaginal opening back towards the rectum. Oh Um, my God. Yeah, she, so she had tons of stitches, totally fine, it's normal. Okay. I put that in quotes. Um, So she had a large tear. She had a tailbone injury of some sort. And, um, so a lot of times we birth on our back, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're birthing on your back, as baby's coming out, a lot of times baby's head will kind of clip the end of the tailbone and can dislocate the tailbone slightly. Well, how's the baby's head? I feel like... Right. So baby's head is hard as a rock. So we're fine there, but the tailbone is so fragile, right? Like it's this teeny little bone that can easily be manipulated. And if we're laboring in our back on our back in this like curled up crunched position, which most people are, their legs are sham jammed up like knees to face Mm. and their tailbone is all like sacrum's all the way in like this huge flex position. Okay. Of course, yeah. tailbone's going to get clipped it's a little bit. It's going to hit on the way. Yeah, so... Um, it's like extreme force. Right. I basically say that childbirth is whiplash of the vagina, and we do yes. nothing about it. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, whenever she got home, she, you know, she had all these issues, and it's like, dude, you got to talk to someone. Like, you have a hurt vagina that was torn, and they gave you no instruction besides this little squirt bottle to squirt on it to clean it, but like... No instruction on anything else. And then you also have tailbone issues. So that fueled my fire to continue with like more of the obstetric stuff. So I completed in this journey of building my business, all of the like pregnancy postpartum stuff. Um, And so that's kind of where it led me. So I I primarily see uh, pre and postnatal women and then those that are, you know, a couple years out um, after having a baby. However... I do still treat a lot of the other stuff of pelvic pain side of things and urinary side of um, things as well. But yeah, so that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now inside the Charleston birthplace Mm -hmm. and in Somerville, mostly focusing on pregnancy prep and postnatal recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so you you mentioned like internal exam, internal exam, 
what is that like? Can you tell me, like, what is your process? Somebody comes in, you meet them, you do the exam. What is treatment like? Like, what does pelvic floor PT look like? Yeah. So PT within the pelvic floor can look very different depending on where you go. So there's probably a hundred different ways depending on the person that you're seeing. However, at Rome Physical Therapy, our philosophy is making it very functional. So um, making sure that we are truly assessing the muscles in a way that they're having the issues. So like if you come in and you're having urinary leakage, when you sneeze or when you lift or when you jump, I'm not going to assess you lying down only. So um, same thing, like if you're having more um, tailbone pain in standing or something, okay, cool, we need to assess standing. Mm-hmm. So what an exam looks like is they'll come in and we'll do a posture excuse me, a posture screen where we're basically looking at just simple range of motion. So have you leaned forward towards your toes, stand on one leg, just check out hip mobility, stuff like that. Anything that would impact the pelvis. So we look at that first, look at like hip strength, glute strength, core strength, all that kind of stuff. Then if there is an issue, um, typically like, let's say there's a week, like your you have a weak glute on one side. Typically that's going to impact the pelvic floor on that side as well. So, or you could have a, um, you know, like SI pain and sciatica, like typically there's some instability stuff. So then you'll overcompensate with your pelvic floor. So just trying to figure out like posturally what's going on first. Um, I know for me, I'm a big butt tucker. So like whenever I stand, I'll squeeze my butt under, um, kind of lock my knees out, stand in that, um, you know, like the post mom pose where their belly grows forwards Mm -hmm. or during pregnancy, belly grows forward. They kind of squeeze their glutes. You're not even super pregnant yet. You're already doing it. You're so good at it. I know. Well, but it's bad. (laughs) So, okay. So like checking people's posture to just see like, oh, you're squeezing your glutes. Like how's that impacting your pelvic floor? And mostly people will have pelvic floor tightness. So back to the exam. Sorry. Um, We will go through the posture stuff first. Then we'll go through an internal pelvic floor exam. So if people are okay with it, we don't do it unless we get consent to treat. Um, You'll lay down on your back to start and it's just a vaginal exam. No stirrups or anything crazy. We're not using any of those metal tools that are found in GYN offices. Um, It's just one finger gloved. So we'll insert a finger vaginally and assess uh, the first layers, the second layers, the third layers. We're also checking the front of the pelvic floor versus the back of the pelvic floor, still all vaginally. We'll check for strength, how strong is your Kegel, how long can you hold your Kegel. We'll check for the coordination, your ability to quickly turn on and off the Kegel. And then we will talk about prolapse assessment, so checking if your apples are still in your grocery bag. Um, and then I'm when yeah. <laughs> and then we'll do uh, a. a pelvic floor like tightness assessment kind of so just checking for tone is there um are there tighter muscles on one side versus the other does any of it recreate pain or discomfort that you felt before Mm -hmm. uh that kind of stuff and then when we finish with that the most important part in my book is we'll have you actually stand up and we'll do the same thing so in a standing position what does your pelvic floor do we all know gravity changes everything right so whenever i lay down and to look at myself versus when I stand up, I look totally different. So like, gravity just <laughs> shifts some stuff around. So checking your pelvic floor in a standing uh, weight-bearing position is very important. So we'll check the... apples the, get heavier. Right. The apples get heavier. The grocery bag has to be stronger. Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, things could happen weird in your posture that can definitely impact all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of what a typical, like, evaluation will look at, look like. With an internal exam, postural exam, and then finishing up with a uh, standing assessment. And then kind of figuring out, okay, what do you need from here? Uh, and designing kind of your your plan uh, based on what you're looking to get back to. And so what are all the things that pelvic floor PT can help with? Yeah. So should I just list what's Honestly, easiest? Just like go for it. Okay. So, uh, we will go with bowel and bladder first. So bladder, it can help with urinary leakage. It can happen or help with urinary frequency. So if you go to the bathroom more than five to seven times per day, that is not normal. I don't care how many 
ounces of water you drink. Sure, there's always an exception, but if you're going 10 to 14 times, that's excessive. Your bladder's working more than your pelvic floor is. What do you do about that? Yeah. <laughs> go to pelvic floor PT. Got <laughs> go to, it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Go to pelvic yeah. floor PT. Uh, so we have urinary leakage, urinary frequency, uh, urinary retention, feeling like you have to kind of push to pee. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll have people say, like, I feel like I can't fully empty, or I went, and now I have to go 30 minutes later because yeah. I feel like I didn't go all the way. Well... Typically, that's a sign of more pelvic floor tightness or just like some weird pressure stuff going on. Uh, So that's going to be more of the urinary side. And for everyone listening, a few drops here and there of leakage is not normal. Got it. Got it. Okay. Not normal. normal. Then on the bowel side, uh, thinking more on, oh, and urinary side, backing up, Um, chronic UTIs. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, I think this is often missed. There's a term called interstitial cystitis Mm. that pelvic floor PT helps with. Basically, it means that your bladder is overactive, cool, but your pelvic floor is also overactive. So if you're treating the bladder only, you're fixing half the problem. So we're not ever looking at the pelvic floor. So if you get chronic UTIs that aren't, that come back negative with testing, then more than likely it's some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. Interesting. so heads up for that. Moving into bowels, constipation is definitely something that pelvic floor PT, um, we work with a ton. Um, people that have like hemorrhoids and fissures because they're pushing improperly. Um, let me think what else on the bowels. Um, if you have like fecal incontinence or um, basically bowel leakage. Mm-hmm. Um Passing gas without control, like being able to control that, That's should happen. Can you help him with that? <laughs> He's a boxer. It's disgusting. Oh, I love boxers. I mean, I love boxers. I love him. But like, wow. Right. Just like, lets it go all That's, the time. I feel like my dog, between that and his anal glands, I'm like, I can't take much more. Like, this is, like, could, could you follow directions? I need you to work on, contract your pelvic floor. The dog's probably looking at me like, what? What is going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of the bowel side that's gonna be that and then um oh a fun one is a fun one yes okay uh so queefing is something else at pelvic floor pt i know i can't believe it totally forgot so queefing is definitely that is like a red flag of pelvic floor dysfunction so okay (laughs) right so like if you are doing yoga and you have you can't get fully into a pose because something's gonna happen or intercourse related i don't care what it is Typically, there's something funky going on with the pelvic floor. Okay, moving on. No, no, Next. no. I'm so into it. Is so, it? no, more stuff to treat. And we can always go okay, back to okay, queefing okay, if, okay. if you really want to hear it. Um, not the queef, but the knowledge. <laughs> I know, I know. Right. So, um, moving forward, pelvic pain. So, that's going to be more uh, pain with intercourse. Um, pelvic pain, like heaviness, um, Sometimes people will have it, especially like we see it a ton with cyclists. If you're doing like a ton of extra spin or riding on your Peloton, it actually can kind of cut into the pudendal nerve down there and create like pelvic pain and pelvic pressure. Uh, And a lot of times people don't realize that it's just a nerve irritation that leads to pelvic floor tightness and Mm -hmm. a lot of issues down there. Um, And then let's see. So other things is... Definitely going to be more of the pre and postnatal mm-hmm. side of things. So prenatal, we work with anything that happens during pregnancy that we possibly can. It's like a car accident for your vagina. Yeah, for sure. So one hundred percent, it is. It's a wreck. It is a wreck. <laughs> but uh, and you're pregnant. I <laughs> I am currently pregnant, and I've experienced a lot of it. I had sciatica at a very early, um, probably like six weeks, and. Um, yeah, just trying to figure out like why is this happening? But it was so much instability that I had. I was like, oh, so we can we definitely work with that. Uh, working with any type of like butt pain. A lot of times people will get like piriformis stuff that doesn't go away with just stretches and um, ortho PT. A lot of times it can be an internal pelvic floor muscle that kind of refers out. Um, so that's kind of prenatal. Also on the prenatal side, we. We at Rome PT um, do a ton of the pushing prep. So working through labor and delivery, how to use your breath and your pelvic floor and how to push properly. And then on the postnatal side, working through um, 
you know, just recovery in general from your, yeah, from the your baby accident, oh, right? Yeah. So whether it's your scar tissue on your cesarean, whether it's vaginal tears, um, just recovering mm-hmm. from like pelvic floor being stretched and core being stretched for nine to 10 months. We work with diastasis, which I feel like is a little bit more of a buzzword than mm-hmm. it should be. Um, but definitely work through that as well. And just really try you know, moms come in two to three years later and they're like, oh, this has been going on for two to three years. And it's like, why haven't you done anything sooner? It's like, well, I figured it's just because I had a baby. And it's like, at what point do we stop normalizing? Oh, well, we had a baby. So this is going to happen. And like, I have to live like this. Yeah. Like, like we shouldn't, we should return yeah. to normal. Exactly. After. Like, that's how most traumatic injuries or things like that are, like surgeries are. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I had a baby which means I went and got this, like, I did this recovery. I did this rehab. Right. Not just like, oh, yeah, well, like, that happens. Like, that's exactly why you need to go. Because yeah. it does happen. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm a mom, so, like, I have incontinence. I can't jump. I can't run. And, like, I was going to say, like, I know that, like, the queefing, the orgasm, like, we're laughing about this stuff. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I don't really need you to, to tell me you know, show me a <laughs> But like, I, I feel like this stuff really affects a lot of women's lives yeah. in a negative way. Like it's not a joke. It's serious. And that people they're in pain. They're like living, they're not able to do the things that they want to do. Like, what do you feel like? How does this, how does this impact people? Cause like, yeah, it's nothing that I've experienced. Honestly, the things that I hear would blow your mind. So like, the fact that people tell me that they have to drink a couple of glasses of wine to have sex or they only wear black pants to work out because yes. they don't want anyone to see that they peed on themselves or they know jumping jacks are coming so they're going to run to the bathroom instead and hide out. Like, we no longer can complete a good healthy workout because we're scared of what's going to happen. I no longer can do downward dog because I'm going to queef. You know, like whatever it may be, like... We're no longer getting the most out of our bodies and out of our life because we're just scared that something's going to happen. And the thing that blows my mind is like once something hurts in our body, like we have shoulder pain or neck pain, like we were talking about, like we'll go in immediately. Like something is terribly wrong, right? Or if I have a, maybe not a toothache. I went to the dentist this morning, so I'm thinking about it. But like if I had a toothache that was really bothering me, I would probably go into the dentist Mm -hmm. because... That impacts me eating a great burger or something, right? Like, I can't eat ice cream because I have sensitivity. Yeah, it starts to affect your life. Yeah. And it hurts. You can only eat on one side. Or like, you can't drink right. things. But it's like, if we're peeing on ourselves or if we're having pain with sex or if we're having constipation... Yeah. We just don't care. We're, we're just going to take more supplements to poop easier. Or mm-hmm. we're just going to struggle every couple of days or every couple of weeks. Or... Yeah. We're going to wear black pants to work out or... Yeah. You start to find ways to... It's like the, the cycle of disability. Like you almost start... You, you Like if you can't walk to from the back of the parking lot to Target. So then you start parking in the front and then you get a handicap sticker. Like right. you kind of start to accept like in the ortho world. Oh, I've had back pain because I did this or this happened. It'll always be this way. Right. And it's like, no, you don't have to live like this. Yeah. It actually doesn't have to be like this. And I have so many people that will have issues um, before they've ever even had kiddos. Mm. And they don't realize it. Like, and then they have a baby and then they just blame it. Like, oh, well, it's because I had a kid. Well, no, you were probably, you were peeing on yourself before a kid. Oh, man. You know, or you were having urinary frequency, going to the bathroom often before you had a baby. So there was already an issue being set up Mm -hmm. or you queefed before having a baby. So, like, if we're using the term queef, I had a, I queefed after having a baby, meaning my vagina is loose. Mm. Well, if that happened before having a baby, was your vagina loose? Like, And it's more than that. It's not that we're just loose and falling apart down there and now our vaginas are broken. It's like the muscles just aren't working because they don't know how. Because it's not all about doing a Kegel, right? Like it's not, that's not going to be that one solid fix. Well, Kegels aren't working, so I can't do, you know, nothing's going to work down here. What is a Kegel? Yeah, so Kegel was created, I think, in the 1920s. Don't correct, uh, don't look this up at all because I might be wrong, but... There's this dude, Dr. Kegel, that created oh this my God, term. Of course, right. And he was doing, I think he was doing um, 
research on a ton of like ballet dancers. So anyways, the term Kegel came about from him, Mm -hmm. um, I believe. And so what a Kegel is, is basically a pelvic floor muscle contraction. So if we do a bicep curl, that's the Mm -hmm. same thing as doing a Kegel or contracting your pelvic floor muscles. Contracting. Some of them. Yes. All, all it should them. be all of them. All of them at once. Yes. Okay. Um, so I usually try to take the word Kegel out of it. I talk about blueberries a ton. So I will. I love will, fruit. I like love fruit. Yeah. I, maybe because I'm pregnant and I just like, I love some sweet sugars. <laughs> this little girl is making me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, but I'll always say like, let's replace the word Kegel. If you had a blueberry right at the base of your vaginal opening and you're trying to squish the blueberry versus lift the blueberry. A lot of times people don't know, like, well, I can't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. So, like, the squish is going to come from the very superficial muscles. So, you're just Mm -hmm. barely trying to squish that blueberry versus the lift is coming from the deeper muscles trying to actually lift it up. One of our other PTs, she explains it as uh, the arcade claw. So, you know, like, you know what I mean? So, like, it comes down and it clamps and yeah. then it lifts up the toy so yeah up. so that's kind of thing the thought of like what a kegel should look like but instead whenever you're doing 100 kegels at a stoplight we're not probably thinking oh i need to squish and lift i need to squish and lift we're just squeezing everything next thing you know our butt's going our legs are yeah. squeezing and it's just not done correctly so so yeah that is what a kegel is okay how, yeah how do you do a kegel Correctly. Correctly. So, one, it's definitely figuring out if you need to be doing Kegels. Oh. So, PSA, you do not, not everyone needs to be doing Kegels. Mm-hmm. So, I'm currently pregnant and I'm not doing Kegels. A lot of times people are, I even read in my stupid uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting book mm-hmm. that I need to be doing Kegels throughout. And I want to just mm-hmm. like rip it, rip the page out and be like, yeah. this is BS, but yeah. it's like whatever. But uh, for me... I had pelvic floor tightness, which I already talked about, pain with intercourse, uh, constipation, all that stuff. If I continue to do Kegels, my pelvic floor is continue to get, to get tighter yeah. and there's not going to be room for a baby's head to mm. pop through, right? Yeah. So if it all depends on the person. So a lot of people that have pelvic floor tightness, constipation, pelvic pain, pain with sex, any of that stuff, uh, I usually will not ever prescribe them Kegels during their plan of care. It's more of trying to figure out when you need to use the squish lift appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Then for those that are having urinary leakage, stuff like that, sometimes we will talk about doing a Kegel, but oftentimes it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be kind of the number one thing. So when... How I think you asked how you should do a Kegel and when to do a Kegel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be less of sitting in your car doing a bunch of Kegels as opposed to let's Kegel when we need to. So when we sneeze, when we cough, mm-hmm. when we jump, when we lift our mm-hmm. kids, when we lift heavy weight, a proper Kegel, the squish and the lift, when I'm lifting 100 pounds... There's going to be a tear in my grocery bag and the apples will fall through, right? So, like, thinking if we're not protecting down there, if we're not protecting the floor to our house, then there's all sorts of issues that can come about. So, rather than just doing 100 kegels in your car, Mm -hmm. make it functional and use it when you need to. So, that's what we do at Rome PT is trying to figure out, like, how to kegel effectively or contract. I'll just replace the word because I hate it. Contract Mm -hmm. effectively. When you need to, when you're, when your dysfunction's happening, when you're sneezing, coughing, laughing, jumping, lifting, how to relax that contraction when you need to, when you're pooping, when you're having mm-hmm. sex, when you're having a baby, how to contract the front to orgasm and how to contract the front to stop urinary leakage versus contract the back to control gas and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, how to contract the whole thing to prevent queefing, like there's just so much into it versus, oh, we'll just do Kegels. Yeah. That's not going to be the answer. So are these things that you have to think about to do them? To start, yes. Okay. But it's just like anything. So like, what's... Do they become automatic? Like, in people that don't have these issues, are they automatic? Yes. Okay. So naturally without dysfunction, people typically are contracting 
the muscles appropriately. Okay. So whenever we do, especially like standing vaginal exams, um, and I'll have someone cough and fake sneeze and laugh and lift something mm-hmm. heavy, their pelvic floor should naturally turn on. And like and lift? And lift, okay. yeah. So squish and lift the blueberry as yes. they're doing that stuff. So okay. without dysfunction, that is what should happen. But most people have some sort of disconnect down here because we're just not taught. I wish and like, I don't know, when you're 13 years old, everyone could go through and like just talk about what the pelvic floor is and how it impacts so much stuff. Because I think it's so important to teach people even finding that front pelvic floor versus over squeezing the back constantly. Like, um, so yes, I think... Normally, people will do it, but I think everyone, probably, not everyone, but most people struggle with some disconnect or poor coordination down there just because we're not taught how to do it effectively. It's kind of like seeing, calling on some random person that's never worked out in their life and have them do a bicep curl with a pretty heavy weight. Yes, or do a deadlift. Yeah, something that takes some coordination. yeah, Yeah, if you haven't done it before. Or let's say you've been doing it at like a body pump class, but no one's ever fully like corrected and instructed you. You're going to be doing it probably incorrectly and you may be fine getting by, but at some point, the heavier the weight you lift or the more reps you do or whatever, you're going to probably end up with some sort of injury or something, right? So, um, so yeah, just trying to trying to figure out why you should do Kegels, when you should do it, etc. Um, I know for a lot of times with patients, like they're like, so what now? Like, I just need mm-hmm. to do Kegel. Like I have to always think about yeah. contracting before I sneeze. Well, yeah, right now, but anything like becomes a habit over time. Yeah. So just like when you're doing a deadlift and someone says, comes by and they're like, hey, no, no, you need to be squeezing more of your glutes or your core or something. The more you get corrected and kind of correct that form, the more it becomes automatic. Yeah. Like so while you're running, you're not thinking about, okay, like now I'm doing this. Like now I'm doing that. Like you're just running. Right. And like that's, is that the goal that people can not have to think about it. Yeah. The goal is to be able to have a strong and healthy pelvic floor with just functional movement and your regular exercise routine, whatever that may be. So when, if you're doing a bar class or if you're a runner, like your pelvic floor should be active during those times. It shouldn't be, oh, you need to go home and do a hundred Kegels. Like after you finish a workout, you don't go home and do a hundred sit-ups, right? So why, because we're working our core during that class. So yeah. Why are we, or or runners, like runners alone, sometimes they just run, but they have really strong core muscles because it's on the entire time they're running, or it should be, um, to stabilize. So whenever they get home, they don't do like a hundred sit-ups. So they might, (laughs) I'm not a runner, so I'm like, I don't know. But, uh, but the same thing, like we shouldn't have to go do an exercise and then come back and like do something else for that same thing. Muscle group. Yeah. yeah, it's like I don't have to think about like when I lift this thing or like when I cough or when I sneeze or when I run. Right. But I also like don't struggle with leakage. I'm like knock on wood. Yes. And like if you are struggling with, with leakage, you might have to think about it in the beginning. But the goal is that it becomes something that your body does automatically. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah. So the goal is to make it functional. So make these muscles work when they need to. And yeah. that's, that's that disconnect in our body and once you get it and it's like oh cool I can do this so why why does that like disconnect even ever start or happen yeah so I personally like from my take on it I think that if we are set up in poor posture like if we have some dysfunction elsewhere in our body uh do something funky so like if our core is off if we're like I didn't know how I don't I remember in PT school, I didn't know how to breathe with my diaphragm. Did y'all go through like you a just class? Like lifted your shoulders. Yeah, it was like a heavy chest breather. So like a lot of times, which nothing was wrong, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't having any issues, and then I went to pelvic floor one and found out that I had all these issues because I never relaxed down there and all that. So I think it's going to be more of every person probably has some mm-hmm. form of disconnect because we've just learned habits of our body. So like I've learned to lock out my knees and squeeze my butt under and butt tuck 
which is not cute, right? So, like, I have to actively work on yeah. unlocking my knees and using my core so I don't tuck my butt under. And I'm still really bad at it, but it's something that I just have to work on, and that's my posture. So, I personally think the disconnect happens because of some bad habit or um, an incorrect form that we've had, and I think posture has a ton to do with it. I, like, my... Or to the brain, like, I have to, like, relate it to yeah. the bicep. Like, the way I see it, and, like, tell me if I'm wrong. If I, like, spent all my time like this, like, my elbows are bent, my arms are kind of lifted, and, like, this is the only way that I ever moved my arms. Yeah. Like, well, one, my arms are going to get super fatigued in, like, a yeah. minute. And then, let's say I never do, like, I never extend, I'm going to lose the ability to do it. Like, whether it's a real contracture or, like, a nervous system thing, like, we can call it, quote, unquote, tight. Right. Like, I'm going to lose the ability to have full range of motion. Yes. Like, am I on the right track? Yeah. So, rather than just doing a ton of Kegels or just staying in a bicep curl continuously, we have to find the length of the muscles. So, you have to understand how to let them go. So, then... Okay. Like, find length before you find strength. That's what I always say within... Spend time in, like, a lot of different positions. Yes. For sure. And... And how we typically accomplish that, you know, that's hard. Like, I will spend one to two visits with patients of just educating them on how to, like, turn these muscles off and elongate and relax them. Because, like, there's some weird stigma about our pelvic floor. Like, we don't want our pelvic floor to be relaxed and loose. That was loose. the next thing. Like, how often do you hear keep your core tight? Right. So people are, like, living their whole lives. Like, on. Just, like clenching, probably constipated, yeah. like, quote-unquote, tight, right. whatever that means. Right, And it's crazy. I want, I mean, not to talk too much on, like, the sex side of things, but, like, whenever I'll tell people, like, hey, you need to figure out how to relax your pelvic floor, they're like, well, I don't want to lose, like, yeah. I don't want to, what? That, no. It's like, it's not going to turn into some big black bottom hole where <laughs> things are just going to fall in and out of it. Like, it just doesn't happen. So yeah. we have to... We just like, the know, muscles will still be, be there. I don't want to be. I don't want to loosen my yeah. muscles. Right. Yeah. But it's not loosening them. They're not going to be loose. Yeah. It's like my bicep's not going to fall off my arm. If right. I fully extend my arm. I'm just going to express the full length of my bicep. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, that's spot on. Of just trying to figure out like how to find that length of the muscle, yeah. and I think that's part of it uh, because cool. we live in that tightened. on gripping state all the time and you can't see it no like you can see you know if you're like Hannah like your arms are overhead yeah hours a day like your shoulders are up to your ears right like a lot of people will hold tension in their pelvic floor and have no idea so when we're stressed you can visibly see hey Hannah your shoulders are up in your ear yeah you need to take some deep breaths and calm down and just relax and you're like no they're not and then someone can walk by and easily push your shoulders down or you can see yourself in a mirror and be like oh, shoot, I do need to relax these muscles. But we can't look in our vagina and be like, yeah. I'm, I am only speaking to women, but men do have pelvic floors too. So mm-hmm. we as people are not looking into the pelvic floor saying, hey, that thing's real like lifted up there. We need to relax it. We just, yeah. we can't see it. We don't understand it. Yeah. There's, again, that just huge disconnect. So that's why there's an internal exam. Right. Otherwise, it would be like if someone came up to me and they're like, hey, I have knee pain, help. And I just was like, do all these things yeah. without like assessing. Know, assessing anything or getting to know them or seeing them do whatever they're having trouble with. Right. So if you don't, like what happens if you don't have the exam? So I personally think that, um, A, it's a huge disservice to the pelvic floor profession or pelvic floor PT profession if you're not getting an internal pelvic floor exam. We're basically not doing it's kind of like going into the doctor whenever they don't lay hands on you and check out that you hurt your elbow or knee or something like we did not get an evaluation so if you have some you know let's use um urinary leakage for an example because I feel like this is the easiest one for people to wrap their head around and no pelvic floor PT is not just for urinary leakage a lot of people think it's all about doing kegels and doing urine to help with urinary leakage but we'll use it as an example because it's familiar if someone is having urinary leakage and they do not get an internal exam we have no idea if those muscles are too weak they're they don't know how to contract Or we have no idea if those muscles are too tight. 
So going back to the bicep and bear with me while I break this down. Mm -hmm. If we are not looking at the bicep muscle that's really tight and in a shortened like bicep curl phase and we're not ever looking like, hey, maybe let that go. By the time we go to sneeze, cough, laugh, whatever, this bicep is so tired because it's been on so much that it can't hold another ounce of pressure. So it lets go. Mm. So a tight muscle can still be the cause of urinary leakage. Does that make yeah. sense? No, that analogy really helps. Yeah. So like yeah. if you're if you're living in a right, if you're living in a constant Kegel or a constant pelvic floor bicep curl kind of thing, and then we go to sneeze or cough and we leak. Oh, well, shoot, I need to do more Kegels. Well, you're already living in a Kegel, so why are we doing more of them, right? So without a pelvic floor assessment, we're never truly going to know, are are those muscles tight? Are they weak? Are they needing to relax and find length, or do they need to find the squish and lift? Yeah. Are they working more towards the back? Rectally, if I squeeze my butt and my rectum when I sneeze... That's not going to prevent urine from coming out, right? Like, it's not contracting around my urethra. So, like, squeezing my rectum doesn't do jack for the front of my pelvic floor. So, just trying to, like, re-coordinate, hey, what's going on? But we will not know that unless we do an internal exam. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's so important to just figure out what's going on, what state those muscles are in. And try to figure out everything from there because it all starts and stems from that region when we're talking about any pelvic floor issue. I feel like my, I'm, my mind is just like blown. Like I'm just learning a lot. I and mean, like I'm a PT. Yeah. Like we got, I think, a class. I mean, I remember like obviously learning all the pelvic floor muscles and the anatomy, but it was always the thing that they were like, if you want to practice like this, if you want to do this, then you're going to have to find like, you know, maybe we have an elective and like we'll help you, but. It wasn't a part of our main curriculum. No. Like, you, you had to get extra things. It's like a mini residency that we have to complete oh, yeah. for pelvic floor PT. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, pelvic floor physical therapists, and I put that in quote, and I don't mean any disservice to the field, but, you know, they'll take one obstetrics course, meaning a pregnancy-related course that teaches you nothing about doing an internal exam, and then they coach on how to do proper Kegels and stuff like that, but... At what point is that just orthopedic obstetrics PT versus pelvic floor? Like if you've taken, you know, just, I guess what I'm trying to say is diving into the pelvic floor and doing an internal exam is key in the name of pelvic floor physical therapy. Yeah. Uh, so just really making sure that it is assessed because we can do so many things incorrectly and actually continue to, um, lead to those issues that people are having. Yeah. I, I do feel like the pelvic floor has gotten some press and like maybe also I just follow all these people on Instagram, yeah. but like it's, everyone's talking about the pelvic floor. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, and again, nothing negatively at all, but I know like, uh, whenever I have done like Pilates or bar, they will talk on the pelvic floor some mm-hmm. like, lift your pelvic floor, Kegel, contract Mm -hmm. your core, all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I'm the person that's constipated and having pain with sex. Why are you telling me to contract my pelvic floor? Yeah. Which I get, again, not every person can do that. But uh, if you are doing those types of exercises and you're still having issues, it could be something that you just need to get checked out. Like, maybe there is something going on with your pelvic floor and Maybe letting go when you're doing Pilates or bar is what you need to find versus mm-hmm. living in a constant contraction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where can our listeners find you and how can they get started if yeah. you have any of these issues? Yeah, for sure. So um, you, we definitely are on social media. So you can find us at Rome, R-O-M-E, Physical Therapy, uh, both on Instagram and uh, Facebook. We try to do some cool stuff on Instagram of like some IG lives and answer questions. Um, This is just such a hard topic that people don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So if there are any private questions, feel free to email over as well. Or you can go to the website, uh, which is RomePhysicalTherapy.com. And uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions if you're like, is this for me? Do I need this? Do I not? My biggest suggestion is just call in or set up a phone consult to talk to me and see if there is something that 
is related to what's going on for you. Um, So yeah, that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. This has been mind-blowing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I feel like I have a lot of analogies now that all involve fruit. (laughs) Everyone enjoy their blueberries. Exactly, and your apples. When I go to the grocery store, like, that's all I'm going to be thinking Right. It really, it was a helpful analogy, though. Perfect. Thank you. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.